Welcome on in to the Tony Parks Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here today. The Utah Jazz fall to the Thunder by the final score of 110-94. to They're now 1-1 one and one on the season since the restart. And this was a bigger one when you talk about the standings there in the Western Conference. At this exact moment, Utah Jazz just a half-game lead over the Oklahoma City Thunder for the number four spot in the Western Conference. As you know, a lot can change between now and then. Oklahoma City, a game or a half game behind the Utah Jazz. Houston, just a half game behind the Utah Jazz as well. The Jazz now fall to a full game behind the Denver Nuggets, who lost earlier today. Dallas uh, is three games behind the Jazz. They're standing all the way back at seven. So Utah is going to be in that mix between three and six in the Western Conference battle. We all know home court advantage is not necessarily what's being fought for here, but teams are going to be mixing and battling uh, to see you know, what these matchups are going to look like in the postseason. Uh, the other thing that's going to happen here is you want to see how you measure up against certain teams that you're staring eye-to-eye with in the Western Conference standings, and by today's afternoon's result, and only by that result, uh, it did not look good in that regard, at least uh, with the small sample size that we've had since the NBA restart. As always, you can be a part of the show, so tweet at me, uh, at TonyParks801. Find me on all forms of social media, at TonyParks801. You can also email me, TonyParks801, at gmail.com. Thanks so much for being a part of the Tony Parks podcast. Well, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. That was not pretty. Uh, The Utah Jazz had a game this afternoon against Oklahoma City. They got down big early. They never really got back in it. They were down around or less than 20 for most of the game or around or more than 20 even for most of the game. It turned out into an ugly loss against a team that was right there with them uh, in that same spot of the standings. Now, I mentioned before, it's not going to do anything in terms of home court advantage. We know that, but man, here's a team that you're kind of right there in the mix with. Let's see what this competition looks like. And it looked awful. It looked absolutely awful. Uh, Teams are still trying to fill their way back into this thing, but this was a concerning performance by the Jazz, and I I don't think I'm overreacting to this, and I'll get to uh, why here in just a moment uh, as we're going to get more into this. But I did want to say, before I forget, because I didn't mention this the other night after the Jazz win, big tip of the hat to Adam Silver and the NBA. They've done a great job with this NBA bubble. So many moving parts, so many people getting pulled in, in the same direction. So many things to consider, and in the end, they've continued to do a great job managing the situation. Zero positive tests over the last few uh, testing windows. That's amazing. The games have been going really well with the, the way they've been operating, and it appears at this point they've truly taken into consideration anything that could happen. Like, nothing has happened where they're standing there going, oh, uh, well, we didn't really think about that. Like, you can see now that it would take something crazily out of their control to not have the season finish out. Um, And I've said it on Twitter before, and I'll say it right now. If they pull this off, I think that they will, by the way. I think it goes down as one of the greatest examples of organizational leadership that I've ever, ever witnessed. I don't think people realize just how hard it's been to try and put something like this together. So, excited to see uh, with what's going to happen the rest of the season, but so far it's been extremely well done. Uh, They've made this look much easier than I think people realize I mean, they were in the latter stages of their regular year, really important stretch of games coming up, including the playoffs, and they had to step aside for four and a half months, put something together that uh, took an extreme amount of work and logistics, 
And um, this was all during a time that it could have been very easy to say, well, look, there's a pandemic. What do you want us to do? Um, But they have truly made the best of a tough situation. On the opposite side for Major League Baseball, uh, they were coming at it from the start of the year. They had everything in front of them. They had mild uh, or wild disagreements. Uh, I still don't think they have everybody pulling in the same direction. And while it's a challenge, um, they uh, you're seeing right now with several games being postponed uh, due to outbreaks within teams. And you're seeing what's happening while wondering what the plan will be if they run out of days to make those games up. Uh, what the plan will be for playoff standings and seedings if those games have to be canceled. Uh, what if a team who's had uh, several postponed games due to outbreaks, what if they have another outbreak? Um, there's a lot of uncertainty. So watching what's happened with Major League Baseball also has me concerned about what's coming up with college football this year because there's a lot of uncertainties there involving what they're going to be able to do. Um, certainly having only one game a week is going to be different than trying to man- manage an everyday sport like baseball, but it makes me wonder how likely that it's going to be that we'll see a football season, uh, whether it be college football or even the NFL for that matter. Um, back to the game, though. That was a clunker, straight up. And these were the kinds of performances that were prevalent during many of the stretches from late January and on. So when people say, well, how much of this has to do with the restart? And, you know, they're trying to feel their way into it. Just because it's what we know doesn't mean it's the reason why. And this is where it's concerning because this is what we saw at times before. Stretches from late January and on that were very concerning to me. Not just because they were losing, but they looked like a team that was far from being anything like a contender. Now, the reason why I say that is because the standard this year was not just to be a plucky little playoff team. The standard and the expectation for this group was at least to get to light contender. My opinion. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you think it should be a, a higher expectation or lower. That was mine. So they looked nothing like it for a long time between January 27th and the suspension of play. I think they won like five of the last six before uh, uh, that suspension of play. So they they look like they might be getting back to that direction. But they had those weird alternating four and five game win streaks. They were like the only team in the history of the NBA to do it five times in a row. Um, This was a really poor performance today. And while there has been a gap of time between the starting and stopping of the NBA play, it looks too similar to what we saw before the thing stopped. They didn't play for really, uh, didn't play well for huge gaps of that game against the Pelicans as well in game one. And they got away with it. They weren't going to get away with it here. And I knew that coming in. So the Thunder overwhelmed Utah. They played with far more force from the beginning and it showed time and time again. Focus was better. Toughness was better. They seemed to be playing with more passion, force, and focus. And this Jazz team didn't look at all like a team competing for some of the same stuff. They had a lack of focus, a lack of fire, a team that was bothered by things when it didn't go well. They didn't shoot the ball well again. They never cracked the OK defense, uh, OKC defense. Uh, Their defense uh, never had that bite that you want or expect to see. They got down big. You never had the feeling it was going to change. It didn't change. And to top it all off, you had a damn lane violation. I mean, talk about a cherry on top. Of all the things, a lane violation, like the most self-inflicted wound in all the sports. This was a bad loss for the Jazz because of the process of what we watched. You know, you go into this suspension of play and you're thinking, hey, maybe it's a chance to exhale. 
Maybe it's a chance to refocus. Maybe it's a chance to get back to being what you've been before. Uh, fix a few things. And a lot of what I just watched was similar to what I saw before. And the stuff that started to have my eyebrows up and have me concerned. They know the answers to this, but it makes you wonder what is truly causing such a poor performance. And I'm not trying to overreact to it. I really am not. It's, but it's so similar to what I watched before. And there's an issue that they have that I'm not so sure they're going to get fixed. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But we talked in the last postgame about some of the glaring stats with Gobert on and off the court. Now, because the Jazz won after that game against New Orleans, the feeling by many was that this was a great compliment to Gobert. And that was even the tone that I took. But to be honest, the equally glaring number was just how bad this team was with Gobert not on the court in that game against New Orleans. They can't be that bad with specific starters not on the floor, right? Now, everybody had a difficult game tonight. I'm not, I'm, I'm not somehow suggesting the starters were awesome and the bench was to blame for this, but the bench, once again, was not very good. So uh, when, I, when we talked about that the other night, it reminded me of that Game 5, 18 NBA playoffs against uh, Oklahoma City. The Jazz were in control. Rudy got in foul trouble. Bad call. Kane Fitzgerald. The Jazz went the rest of that game with a defensive rating of like 139. And the discussion was, well, that's how valuable Rudy is. But it was no excuse to blow a 25-point lead and no excuse to be that bad with Rudy off the floor. So then when Rudy comes into this game and Rudy did not play well and doesn't play well, this team gets down and has no chance. It can't be that each player that's a very good player for the Jazz has to have a great game for them to go out and beat a team barely like New Orleans who played terribly defensively throughout most of that game, and the offensive adjustment for the Jazz, quite frankly, was pretty easy. This team's got to be a little more versatile than that, and they've got to be a little more dependable than that. And Rudy was a minus 14, and like I said, didn't have that level of force that you expect uh, to see from him, certainly. He wasn't great. Uh, Nobody was really great. Uh, The backcourt starters for the Jazz, not great in a number of different ways. Conley, 3-9, Mitchell, 5-15, Just kind of was a pedestrian game in a number of ways. It just was. And so when that happens, the loss of Bogdanovich and the drop-off to that second unit, too, becomes brutal for the Utah Jazz to deal with. Just brutal. So those four bench players for the Jazz that are usually in that kind of rotation, right? I'm not going to count Morgan, Tucker, and Oni, even though I thought uh, Morgan had some bright spots and good to see Tucker and Oni out there on the floor. But those other four that you're usually going to see out there on the floor, uh, tonight, Clarkson 417, Bradley 3 of 8, Niang 3 of 10, Moutier 2 of 5. So that's 10 field goals made. Was that 27, 29, 34 missed? 10 out of 34. It's not pretty. The Jazz had another tough shooting night from three, 26%. I do think the shots will eventually start to fall right, and 39% overall from uh, the field as a team. Like, I I do think the shots will start to fall. Discouraging tonight to see them get handled on the boards 47-35. They were demoralized. Losing to Oklahoma City, fine. Demoralized against Oklahoma City, concerning. And one of the other reasons why it's concerning is, like, certain things will get fixed, right? Like, I don't think Rudy's going to play this bad. But there's certain things I'm very concerned about not getting fixed. And Utah's bench might be one of those. I'm serious. 
you hope it's something that can realistically be fixed, but I'm not so sure. I'm very concerned because, look, I watched Niang up close, and he's probably my favorite person in the league. He's awesome. His story's great. Trash talk is unbeatable. His friendship has meant a lot to me. There's probably no one more honest about everything out there, whether it's good or bad. And I think if Jazz fans had a chance to chat with all the players at a barbecue, he'd be the life of the party. He's got another level uh, that he needs to hit if he's going to sufficiently contribute for this team. It was rough the other night for him, and it was rough again today. Tony Bradley, great strides and growth that is tremendous. I think he's overachieved to get to this point this year. Uh, He exceeded my expectations. I had the chance to watch him every day. He should be proud about hitting the level that he's at. But the standard of what the Jazz are trying to accomplish and what they need out of Bradley is, is one thing, and he is not sufficient in his play at this point to get them there. And I don't see him getting there between now and then. There were, there were times today he was lost, straight up lost. And that was eye-opening to me. I thought that, yeah, I thought this was more than just, oh, it was a bad game, you throw it away, you move on, you do this, you do that. Now, there, there, there's some issues out there that I'm very concerned as to whether or not they're going to get fixed. Because I don't, I don't see him getting there between now and then. And it hurts me to say it because I love that young man as much as any player that I've ever covered and watched up close. And he's very young and he still has a long way to go. And I think that he, his brighter days are definitely ahead for him. But what I've had to say about this is the cold hard truth. So you can find a way to win against New Orleans when the shots aren't falling. Pelicans were terrible defending the paint in the second half. Zion Williamson uh, was awful, awful defensively overall. And the game plan for a comeback was pretty, uh, pretty easy. Get it to the paint, get it to the rim. You know, they were doing a terrible job in that way. So credit the Jazz for executing that. But the standard is different when you want to be great. And Oklahoma City is a team that has exceeded my expectations. They were playing with more hunger and fire, and they made some guys on Utah's roster that are borderline in the league look like it. And that was the case for something like Tony Bradley, right? Because these games are not random Wednesdays at Charlotte. These games are big games with with teams feeling like there's a lot on the line and they're serious about what they want to get done in the playoffs. And the Jazz, I believe they want to do similar things in the playoffs, but I got news for you. You got to pay the price for that every single day. The price to be great has to be paid all the time. That rent is always due. Always due. And some of these other teams, they are trying to pay that price each and every single day. That rent is due, like I said, each and every time. Uh, As far as the bench, Clarkson, the other night, put up a great point total. He He was a minus 15. Today, he struggled hitting shots. He's going to be that spark off the bench, but he can't be the only spark off the bench. They're going to need more. The loss of Bogdanovich was big, not just because of what he does out there on the floor and knocking down shots, but it's also big because it's hurt the depth of this team. It has really hurt the depth of this team. With that being said, you lose a guy like Bogdanovich, there should be a step back. This game was not a step back. They, they were an, annihilated. They were demoralized at times out there on the floor. And this team is better than that. They should be, in my opinion. Uh, the Thunder made it really tough on the Jazz. And they made Utah feel them. They made everything feel stressful. And in return, Utah made the game look hard at times. So the issues for the Jazz, uh, my concern is that they're going to continue. Yeah. And Bogdanovich being out, 
hurts the offensive weapons of this team, and it also hurts the depth of this team. And I think it's showing up with the bench play. And it's too bad because it's something that could be hurting them for the rest of the season. Like I said, certain things are fixable. I don't think Donovan is going to play like that. I think he's going to have better performances. I think Conley will. I think Rudy will, right? Like, I think shots will fall eventually. Things like that, yes, those will come around. But there are other things, like the lack of depth coming off the bench and the difficulty that some of these players out there are having, like a Tony Bradley and a George Niang, I can see that continuing to be a problem the rest of the way. As much as I like those guys personally, watching it out there on the floor is a big concern. A really big concern. The other thing that's happened in the last couple of games is when things were tough for the Jazz defensively in these two games, in the early going at times, it took a while for them to get better. Like, the Jazz dug a 16-point hole against New Orleans. You felt like, all right, they can make, you know, they can climb their way back. When they got down, I think it was 18 total in the first half against Oklahoma City, my thought was, okay, when they were down like 16 or 18, it's going to take a heck of a lot more than what it took to beat New Orleans. And they barely got by them. So when the wheels wobble, you can't have them fall off before you put them back on. you got to tighten it up a lot earlier than that. And so this team, yes, they, they don't just lose a game. I think that they have some things to be very, very concerned about. And I think Jazz fans who wanted to see some things possibly fixed between uh, the NBA suspension and the NBA restart should be concerned that maybe those things have not been completely rectified when you look at the play on the floor. Uh, they can be more consistent and better defensively, and they flat weren't for most of this game. Very, very concerning. Um, the Jazz now get ready for their next game. They got the Lakers uh, coming up on Monday, 7 p.m. That game is going to be on ESPN, and they're going to have to figure this out a lot faster than they probably want to because the postseason is right around the corner. Yeah. It's something that could be hurting this Jazz team the rest of the season, and it could be uh, the end of the season a lot sooner than uh, they expected it to. Thanks, as always, for being a part of the Tony Parks podcast. Uh, As always, you can follow us on all forms of social media at TonyParks801. You can also email me, TonyParks801 at gmail.com. Do not forget... Uh, that we'll be back with you uh, with other episodes, including some stuff on college football here really soon. And uh, I'll always try to be in touch with you after jazz games on top of that. Thanks so much for everybody's support. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. And we will talk to you, with, to you uh, on Monday night with the next Utah Jazz postgame. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Tony Parks podcast right here on the Utah Podcast Network.